And good afternoon and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. One of the most serious challenges to religious liberty involves efforts to force Christians to participate in events that violate their consciences, especially concerning same-sex marriage. Cake decorators in Oregon and Colorado, photographers in Arizona and Michigan, and a florist in Washington are just a few of the latest victims of this assault. If they refuse to use their God-given talents to celebrate that which is forbidden by the Bible, when they refuse, they are fined and threatened with the loss of their businesses, homes, and livelihoods. Now, these challenges have taken place in state jurisdictions so far. One such case is being appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, should the highest court of the land decide to hear the case... It could determine whether freedom of conscience and religious liberty extend beyond the confines of the church's walls and into everyday life. That involves Baronel Stutzman, who's the owner of Arlene's Flowers in Washington State. When a longtime customer asked her to make a special floral arrangement celebrating gay marriage, she refused. The customer, along with the help from the state's attorney general and the ACLU, filed a challenge. Last month, the Washington Supreme Court ruled that Stutzman could indeed be forced to make such an arrangement, and punishment for refusing includes paying fines and attorney fees. Alliance Defending Freedom is defending Stutzman and have appealed to the United States Supreme Court. ADF counsel Carrie Kupik is my guest today on Free to Be Faithful. Ms. Kupik, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on, Kip. Uh, could you tell me a little, bit, uh, a little bit about your background, a little bit about ADF before we go on to the specifics? Sure. Alliance Defending Freedom is currently the largest legal advocacy organization in the world that defends religious liberty. We advocate for the rights of people to freely live out their faith, and I am legal counsel and communications director for Alliance Defending Freedom. What has been concerning me lately is I look at the um, list of cases that are that are happening all across the country. There's uh, Jack's Phillips with Masterpiece Cake Shop. It's very similar to what happened to the Kleins in Oregon. Uh, that's uh, something that's been going before state commissions and state courts. Russian Nib in Phoenix, Amy Lawson and Amy Lynn Photography Studio, over and over and over again, where we're seeing an actual challenge for people to force people to do things against their conscience. Why is this any different, for example, than people who refuse to, say, create dresses for the Trumps? There's no difference at all. And there was a video that Alliance Defending Freedom recently created where our social media director, Louis Christensen, he went up to the University of Wisconsin and he asked students on campus a series of questions. And he began with, do you think it's okay for a fashion designer to not create custom clothing for Melania Trump because their political views clash? And the students said yes. And then Louis went on to ask the students the next question. And he said, um, would it be good for a government to force a Muslim singer to sing at a Christian Easter worship service? And the students all said, no, of course not. You know, why would the government force someone to do something right, similar to the fashion designer? We don't want the government forcing these creative professionals uh, to create custom work that violates who they are and their beliefs. And then Louis asked the final question, which was, should a Christian creative professional, a Christian photographer, be forced to create custom photography to shoot a same-sex wedding ceremony? And for some reason, <laughs> that 
that easy, oh, no, the government shouldn't force artists to create work that's inconsistent with their convictions, that stopped when it came to the Christians. And the students had a hard time answering that question, which is troubling, because they clearly had no problem following that line of thought before they hit the Christian. Well, right now, these uh, cases have been before state regulatory bodies and state courts. This, the, the case of Arlene's Flowers has been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Have we had a ruling of, uh, have we had an order of certiorari, of certiorari yet issued? No. In fact, we are still waiting to appeal our case to the Supreme Court, so that won't be filed um, until sometime over the next few months. But we are waiting to see whether the Supreme Court will take the case of Jack Phillips, who you mentioned earlier, and he's the cake artist out of Colorado who uh, had a small business there for many years, has always served everyone who comes through his door with respect and dignity. And when he declined to create custom cake, to be commissioned to create this custom wedding cake for a same-sex wedding ceremony, which violated, obviously, his beliefs as a Christian, the next thing you know, he was being sued. And unfortunately, uh, the commission ruled against him, the Colorado Court of Appeals ruled against him, and now he's looking to the Supreme Court to take his case and hopefully affirm his freedom, like the freedom of all Americans, to be able to peacefully live and operate consistent with their convictions without threat of this terrible government coercion that we're seeing. Well, it, we're seeing this now on the state level. Do you, as an attorney, believe that this is something that the federal government actually needs to step in and say yes or no? Yeah, the, there are some ways for the federal government to be involved. And the first thing, I would love to see President Trump make a statement about why religious freedom is important. And when he was campaigning for president, he actually said that the protection of religious liberty would be, quote, his first priority. And I really would like him to, to make good on that promise and, and the, the, for the very reasons that we're discussing. And if you remember, shortly after President Trump took office, there was a draft order uh, of an, a draft order of an executive order leaked to the media, and it provided express protections for federal employees, federal contractors, and federal uh, uh, and people who were receiving federal grants that it would protect their views on marriage. Um, that if someone believes that marriage is a man-woman union because of their religious beliefs or their conscience, that they should not be denied the same kind of federal funding or access as those who don't believe that, as their counterparts do. So that would be great to see uh, President Trump uh, issue an executive order that looks like that. Obviously, that would just affect federal employees. And then there's also something called the First Amendment Defense, De Defense Act that Congress could pass that would also protect uh, those people on the federal level. But I think it, what we're going to see, or we're going to need to see, we're going to see states uh, creating conscience uh, protection statutes that will protect folks like Baronel and Jack Phillips, the cake artist, from being run out of the marketplace and, quite frankly, their very homes simply for operating according to a belief that's been held across race, culture, and time um, that Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all teach. It seems to me that this is a very basic constitutional issue. I mean, if this is not a First Amendment issue, nothing is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, and taking it even a step back from the Constitution, in a truly culturally diverse and pluralistic society, tolerance should be a two-way street, not a zero-sum game, not a place where, in the case of Baron L. Stutzman, uh, the couple that did not get their custom floral arrangement for their same-sex wedding, they walk away, uh, they, they proceed to get those flowers anyway from a nearby florist who is more than happy to do those custom floral arrangements for them, and versus Baronel, who 
is on the brink of losing everything she has, not just her business, but her home, her life savings, and her retirement, simply for declining to create one custom order of floral arrangements for a longtime customer and friend. That kind of, um, or that lack of balance should trouble everyone, regardless of what they believe on the issue of marriage. Well, one thing I've been reading from the other side is that they're saying that people like florists and cake decorators are not really artists, and therefore they don't have artistic freedom. What's the counter to that? That's ridiculous, and, and that's why we have shows like Cake Boss. And, and interestingly, uh, if, you know, if you're familiar with that show, I'm sure your listeners are, that popular show on cable that follows uh, the adventures of a cake artist, and it was a very popular show for a long time. And actually, Jack's work, Jack Phillips, a cake artist in Colorado, um, commercials promoting um, cake artists actually focused in on what Jack was doing at his shop. They, they featured his hands, creating this custom kind of work. Um, that's why we say, say it with flowers. These are known expressive um, activities. And we would not say to, say, a Muslim painter, oh, you must paint under threat of government punishment a mural that depicts something um, offensive about a Muhammad. Or we would not force an Orthodox Jewer, Jewish writer to write a piece attacking Israel on a website. And this is, this is standard common sense stuff, and this is the reason why our country was founded in the first place. People came to America because they were looking for a place to be able to peacefully and freely uh, operate and live consistent with their convictions. And for us to suddenly pretend that we don't know what custom work is, that we don't know who uh, creative professionals are, and that we don't know what um, creating art even looks like is silly. And it, and it really bodes poorly for the future of freedom in this country. Another thing that concerns me greatly is that these cases have all been involving Christians. And as you pointed out, uh, other groups, Jews and Muslims, have the same objections to gay marriage that many Christian denominations do. Uh, it looks to me like we're being targeted. Right, and, and it's a shame because these situations have pop popped up in small businesses that are owned by Christians, but the same logics would certainly apply to, say, a Muslim store owner or a Jewish store owner. And we just don't tolerate this kind of intolerance in this country, or we never have. And now we're seeing that's not the case. And what was interesting in, the, in, the, in Jack's particular situation, uh, there, that same commission who compared Jack to a perpetrator of the Holocaust for turning down one custom order for a, a custom same, uh, wedding that would celebrate a same-sex wedding, that same commission turned around and said it was okay for neighboring bakeries to not create custom cakes that were anti-same-sex marriage. It was within the same time frame and the same commission. So here they're saying, well, those particular bakeries can have their particular beliefs, whether they're religious beliefs, conscience beliefs, political beliefs, and that's, that's protected, and they can do what they want. They don't have to be forced to create custom cakes that violate who they are. But Jack, as a Christian who's adhering to the Christian view that marriage is a man-woman union, he does not have those same rights. And like you said earlier, that's clearly unconstitutional and a complete violation of the First Amendment. Not to mention the 14th, I mean, equal protection right. clause. That's right, and equal protection, that's right. Mm -hmm. Now, did, they, did, did this commission actually flat out say, okay, well, Christians aren't covered by this? They just said that Jack, they, they ruled specifically on Jack's situation and, and said that, that he was in violation of the, anti, the local anti-discrimination laws. 
Uh, but then when those other cases, those other bakery cases came before them where those uh, cake shop owners did not want to create anti-same-sex wedding cakes, they said that was okay. Um, and you know what really was upsetting about the situation with Jack is that when they compared him to this perpetrator of the Holocaust for this 30-second exchange with these customers, what they didn't know was that Jack's father had fought in World War II. He received a Purple Heart there, and he actually was in the first group of American military to liberate people from uh, German prison camp Buchenwald. So that was a particularly egregious statement to make to a person whose father had been a hero in liberating people from those same folks that they were accusing Jack being like. I've actually interviewed Holocaust survivors, and uh, I was actually at Yad Vashem some years back. Um, I'm just, I am, like you, I am appalled that someone could make light of such horror. Uh, It's almost, to me, like Holocaust denial. Saying, you know, mm-hmm. you know, gee, you didn't want to bake a cake. Therefore, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> there, there's, no, I- there's no comparison. And back to your earlier comment about expression and businesses. In the, in the case of Baronelle Stutzman, when she was found in violation of, of their uh, anti-discrimination law, and we asked when we were arguing Baronelle's case, we asked for an exception for expressive businesses, these these artists, these creative professionals, because obviously that's very different from, say, someone walking into, you know, a pizza shop or a hamburger joint and someone just denying them flat out, uh, you know, for, for fill-in-the-blank reason. There's a big difference between creating custom work versus uh, blanket denial of service, which, as you know, it's the facts of all these cases. Uh, our clients have served those who identify as LGBT for years. Some of them have employed LGBT folks. There's never been an issue, and which is why it's particularly sad to me that the person who is suing Baronelle for all she's worth is, uh, was a longtime customer and friend. So there's a betrayal element that, that's there as well. But, in, but when the court rejected our request for an exception for these expressive businesses, uh, they, they claimed it would create this two-tiered system and, and they, can't, they can't create these exceptions. But the problem is, uh, they, they basically said they can't be in the, the business of deciding which businesses are sufficiently artistic. But unfortunately, uh, the court seemed to imply that such expressive businesses like newspapers, publicists, speechwriters, photographers, those would be covered by this anti-discrimination law as well. That's, so, that, <laughs> that's a big problem. That's something else I wanted to bring up. Uh, I know I personally, I've done a lot of freelance writing. And there are times where I said, no, I don't want to do this piece for whatever reason. Could I be, could I have been sued for that? Right. It depends on what the, uh, you know, what, what laws we're talking about, where you're living, what the, what the public accommodation anti-discrimination laws say. But for instance, in, in the city of Seattle, which is a few hours uh, away from Baronelle's shop in Seattle, political viewpoint is considered a protected class. So that would mean that, say, a never-Trumper in Seattle could be forced under threat of government penalty to be President Trump's speechwriter, and vice versa. <laughs> so the implications are never-ending, but this is very real. And, and when we create these, these protected classes uh, for something like, say, um, sexual orientation or even, um, you know, and et cetera, What's happening is the First Amendment and the Constitution seem to be going out the window. And at the end of the day, again, in a tolerant society, there's got to be balance. And we're not seeing any balance 
playing out in the courts with respect to these cases. As someone asked, well, for example, it, it seems to me then that, that the ACLU, for example, would not be able to, to uh, turn down a case because they didn't want to. Yeah, you know, interesting you mentioned the ACLU. <laughs> yeah. uh, the ACLU is quite the interesting organization. In fact, they have a statement right now on their website that basically says, you know, they advocate for artists to be able to create freely or not create freely, which is, quite frankly, a joke when you look at what they're doing to the artists like Baronel and Jack Phillips. And, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately about how much the ACLU is raising with respect to some of these immigration issues, et cetera, et cetera. And I like to say, well, yeah, you know, the ACLU is running someone like Baronel, this 72-year-old grandmother, into the ground and, and suing her for all she's worth. Uh, yeah, of course that, of course they're raising funds. <laughs> of course they're making money right now. And what's, what was very upsetting to me was the ACLU uh, refused to drop their request for attorney's fees as this case progressed. And so what's going to happen is if the Supreme Court does not take Baronel's case, uh, she is going to be on the hook for well over a million dollars in attorney's fees uh, that the ACLU is likely to request, which they know is going to bankrupt her. That's incredible. I, I know mm -hmm. there was a case recently uh, with uh, with the Kleins in uh, Oregon. That's right. And I think their uh, the judge there had refused to has refused the ACLU's request for uh, for payment on that. But it's just it's just incredible the way it goes. You know, it's adding insult to injury here. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Uh, tell me a little bit about Baronelle. I've never met the lady. I've uh, heard her speak. I've seen uh, videos of her, but uh, I don't know her. Tell me a bit about uh, Baronelle. Well, she's a wonderful lady, 72-year-old grandmother, uh, kids, grandkids, very big family. Uh, she has been a small business owner for a number of years. Her shop is called Arlene's Flowers, and Arlene was her mother. So this shop originally belonged to her mother, but then her, when her mother came down, unfortunately, with Alzheimer's, Baronelle took over the shop. Baronelle is a breast cancer survivor, and, you know, she's a tough lady. She is a gentle spirit but strong. And she had an opportunity along the way to be done with this whole thing. The attorney general offered her this, quote, offer of settlement, but it wasn't because she would have had to essentially give up her religious freedom and create a custom work that would violate her faith as a Christian. And she knew what she was going to face, and she knew that she could face the losing of everything. But she said uh, she wrote a letter back to the attorney general, and she said that her freedom is not for sale. And uh, she always says, the, man, the gentleman who is suing her, his name is Rob Ingersoll, she says that if she, see, if she would see Rob, she would give him a hug and she would serve him for another 10 years. She's a better Christian than I am. And me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, if uh, the Supreme Court does indeed hear the case of Jack Phillips in Masterpiece Cake Shop, and also if it comes down and says, yes, this is indeed protected speech, would that affect Baronel? Yeah, well, what would likely happen is that a case like Baronel would essentially be put in limbo, would be pending uh, once, um, in light of Jack's case being heard, because obviously it's a similar issue. So cases that um, would be affected by Jack Phillips' case, everyone would be looking at the Supreme Court to see what would happen. So that would become the case um, and we would see. And the Supreme Court has reconferenced the case a number of times, which 
we think means that possibly one of the Supreme Court justices is interested in it. Since the beginning of January, uh, each week we've been expecting an order as to whether or not they're going to take the case, and, and it's been delayed week after week. And so the next time we could hear whether the Supreme Court will take the case um, is next week. So it'll be interesting to see the Supreme Court issues orders on Monday mornings at 9.30 a.m. And they on the, the previous Friday is when they say which cases that they are going to be reviewing for the purposes of issuing orders on Monday. So that Friday has gotten bumped a number of times. And so the next time we could hear is uh, next Monday. Well, let's say for the sake of argument that the Supreme Court does say that they want to hear the case. How does it proceed from that point? Well, at that point... Both parties would issue, uh, would write opening briefs where they make their arguments. Um, you would have friends of the court for both parties file their own briefs where they're going to explain why or why not they think that, say, Jack should have the freedom to operate the way that in, consistent with his convictions. And then ultimately the Supreme Court will set oral arguments and people will, and then obviously the arguments will be heard, and then several months later we'll get a decision from the court. But obviously, if if Jack's case is taken up, or say Baronel's case is taken up, it's going to be a block blockbuster religious freedom case. It'll be one for the century. It really will be. And you have libertarian groups like the Cato Institute who have fully supported uh, folks like Baronel and Jack all along. And, and Cato Institute is known for their support of same-sex marriage, but they are equally supportive of not forcing artists and creative professionals to create custom work that violates their convictions. So they have filed amicus briefs throughout uh, the, both of their cases. And, and um, in fact, they filed a great amicus brief in the Elaine photography case, which, if you remember, was the first of these cases a number of years ago. Yeah, and they lost. And, that, she, and they, Elaine's well, lost. They, the Supreme Court declined to take their case. That's right. And so that was the first. So the Supreme Court did decline to take that one, but that was also a relatively new issue for the country. And if you remember the decision in Elaine photography in New Mexico, where same-sex marriage wasn't even legal at the time. <laughs> Um, and this was the case of the photographer who did not want to photograph a same-sex wedding ceremony because she was a Christian and violates her beliefs. And the, the New Mexico Supreme Court wrote this chilling line, and they said that uh, forcing photographers to create or shoot activities that violates who they are is, quote, the price of citizenship. I remember reading that in the decision. I was, I was appalled by it, absolutely appalled. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's a it's a chilling statement. The price of citizenship in the United States of America, we force artists to create art and custom work that is inconsistent with their convictions and who they are and their beliefs. You know, there's a lot of talk from the LGBT folks about you know being free to be who they are, et cetera, et cetera. But why don't we hear any talk about? Christians or religious people being free to be who they are. <laughs> and it's not like they're preventing gay marriage. I mean, it, Baronel right. actually re, actually re referred uh, Ingersoll to uh, to gay florist. To, she, uh, Baronel referred Rob Ingersoll, the gentleman who was suing her, to three florists in the area who, she quote, she knew would do a good job for him because she wanted it to be special. And in fact, when she originally declined Rob, again, after this 10 years of friendship um, and customer service relationship, she... Uh, talked with him about what his wedding would look like. They talked about his mom walking him down the aisle. So they really parted as friends. And the kind of action that Rob and his partner and the attorney general of Washington State has taken against Baronel is unprecedented. And 
frankly, what the Washington State Attorney General there is trying to do, and his name is Bob Ferguson, is he's trying to scare people. He's trying to make an example out of Baronell so that people will not dare think about uh, – living <laughs> consistent with their conscience and religious beliefs again in his state under his watch. And when people talk about the price of citizenship, I'm going to, I'm going to show my age here a little bit. Uh, have you heard of the draft in Vietnam? Now we're talking I, about the price of citizenship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, that doesn't fly with me when somebody says that about gay marriage. Sorry. <laughs> but... I, I, uh, no, I, absolutely, absolutely, which is why I was disgusted with what the commission said about Jack when you think about his father, when you think about what a hero his father was and is, and to compare Jack to the very enemy that his father was fighting is, it's <laughs> is egregious. It, it, is, it is egregious, and I am concerned about this particular issue in this country because, again, once we get into the business of allowing the government to force people of faith, to force artists of faith, to force uh, Christian creative professionals or Muslim creative professionals or Jewish creative professionals to violate their conscience and their faith by making them create art and custom work that violates their convictions and punish them severely if they don't do it, uh, we're headed into some serious times and some serious problems well let's uh take a pessimistic view here let's say that the supreme court decides not to hear the cases of either uh, baronel or or jack phillips what happens then is that the end well another case could come up before the supreme court that touches that issue and maybe hits a different theory or or legal issue i suspect that the clients in oregon will be appealing their um, decision at the, at the, from the Supreme Court there if that doesn't go their way at the United States Supreme Court. But my, my guess is that the Supreme Court will take one of these cases. Uh, it's too big an issue at this point. There's too much at stake. There's too many freedom implications, freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of this. It goes way beyond free exercise of religion. And in fact, both in Jack and Baronel's cases, we made you know, compelled speech claims. The government can't force someone to speak a message that they don't want to speak. And what's interesting, in Baronell's case, the Attorney General, Bob Ferguson, the man I was just mentioning earlier, in the oral arguments before the Washington Supreme Court, he conceded that Baronell's custom floral arrange- arrangements were speech. And when he said that, there was a visible uh, <laughs> um, sigh across the audience because people realized, yeah, this is speech. And what was interesting is the ACLU attorney got up shortly after Bob Ferguson and tried to walk that back. And then the Washington Supreme Court ignored the fact completely that the attorney general himself had conceded that what Baronell is doing is speech. And so I do think the Supreme Court is going to take up one of these cases, because if you remember in the, in the Stormins case, that was the pharmacy out of Washington State. Those are the uh, pharmacy owners and who did not want to uh, facilitate or sell Plan B and uh, the oh, morning yes. after pill and the week after pill, right? And uh, you know that was a violation of their faith as Christians. They just they didn't want to sell these two drugs in their pharmacies. And there were over 30 pharmacies within a five mile radius that supplied these same exact drugs. So there was no issue of access. Etc. And this went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and we were really hoping the Supreme Court was going to take that case. And that was last spring. Justice Scalia passed away, and ultimately the Supreme Court denied taking that case. We missed it by one vote, them taking it. And Justice Alito wrote a 
uh, pretty serious dissent when the court decided not to take the case. And he said, this bodes poorly. This is, this is troubling for the future of religious freedom in America when we're in the business of forcing small business owners to uh, facilitate or sell things that violate their conscience and who they are. And so uh, reading Justice Alito's dissent, and Justice Thomas had some good things to say as well, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they take up one of these cases, especially because it's very obvious that they see what's coming down the pike on this issue. Ms. Kupik, I want to thank you very much for appearing on this program, and you certainly shed some light on it. And I would like to point out also that the LCMS, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is an, it does has filed an amicus brief in the case of Baron L. Stutzman. You've been listening to Free to Be Faithful, which is a presentation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, as a religious liberty education and awareness program. Free to Be Faithful airs the third Monday of every month, and today's guest was Kerry Kupik, of Alliance Defending Freedom. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings.